Nightcaps of the Living Dead. The Jawbreakers of Beverly Hills. Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing peachy fucking keen because we're doing Jawbreaker tonight. Jawbreaker, uh, you got the best of me. That was beautiful. I, I love that. Say that. That was so nice. Um, I always <laughs> feel like our, our intro music is like really cool 90s um, thriller. And I feel like that kind of goes with this 99 movie. I'm into it. I really like it. Um, so Jawbreaker has Rose McGowan, has Judy fucking Greer in it, has Pam Greer in it, has Rebecca Gayhart, has Julie Benz, Carol Kane, and who else? Am I missing anybody else? I think that's... I think those are the mainstays. There's some... There's some. We're going to talk about the guys in the movie. Oh, this... <laughs> complete unknowns that disappear from the face of the earth. I know. Weirdly enough... But all the women rock oh and became God. rocks. I mean, they were over, something. Pam Greer was already a legend. She had already done um, Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. But Judy Greer went on to become a very successful actress. Mm-hmm. Of course, Rose McGowan was kind of at the beginning of her career. She had done Scream. This was kind of her second or third movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Julie Benz was in Buffy at this point i think and then went on and then to famously rita, rita from dexter. dexter and died in a bathtub and the show died with her <laughs> that trinity at the season season four i think it was john john lithgow was trinity right well that was the same yes. season yes so yes. he killed her yeah the so entire at the end of the it should have ended with that it should have ended there i didn't need to see dexter go to alaska and be emo and that whole unsatisfactory ending and, and then all the insisty thing with jennifer carpenter, jennifer was carpenter. Also his wife but his sister in <sighs> the show terrible things got strange oh my god so, so. jawbreaker i i battled with jack about why we're covering this because one he, he's like what why are you guys covering this it's not a horror i'm like it's a black comedy but it has the underbelly of horror in it, it there's horror elements in it and he's like oh well, i don't see it and i'm like well okay one well, shutter has it shutter is my god we both pray to the shrine of shutter like I, shutter says it's a horror movie it's a horror it is a horror movie if they said singing in the rain is a horror movie i will find that i'll be like the rain represents our impending death like i will totally find it i am just like shutter you tell me what's up um, I love this director. He also did GBF. Um, mm-hmm. I really Gay like him. Director. It, who, what's his name? Darren Stein? Is that his name? Darren Stein, yes. Yeah. Darren Stein. GBF, I, and there was another movie that he did. What was the other movie? Um, I can't remember. Um, There's another movie. We'll remember at some point. So he, I, I'm so into him, love him. And I feel like this is why this movie worked because it was so campy horror. And I read that he had the intentions to make a horror and it just came out so darkly comedic. And he's like, well, let's go with it. And it just worked so beautifully. It's a hybrid of Heathers, Clueless, Mean mm-hmm. Girls. It's just fucking awesome. And so it starts with the enticing incident of these girls kidnap their friend on her birthday, shove and Rose should point out it's Rose's fault, shoves a jawbreaker in her, her jugular and she chokes on it. They, they don't realize this. They shove her in the trunk. They go up to Johnny's coffee shop, open the trunk, take a picture of like surprise. It's your birthday. bitch, And she's dead. And the movie unfolds from there. And so Jack was arguing with me of, um, we had a very impassioned argument like at 2 a.m. about this movie. It was really funny. I'm just like, I hope the neighbors don't think that we're having a, a spat. Like we're just like very enthusiastic about why this is a black comedy versus a horror. And please listeners, weigh in. My feelings will not be hurt. I'm very interested in what you think of the elements of the storytelling are. Um, because... He, he made the argument that, okay, well, Weekend at Bernie's could be a horror. Like, it's a dead guy. They, they parade uh, around with a corpse the entire time. And I'm like, yes, but no. So we had the enticing incident, but there's also that fear of teenage girls. 
Teenage mm-hmm. girls are fucking scary, man. High school is terrifying. But also, I remember from the first time I saw this movie to last night when I saw this movie, I really thought another bitch was going to get killed. I was really afraid for Rebecca Gayhart. I was afraid for Julie Benz. I really thought somebody else was going to die. I thought Judy might die or she might be a killer. My, my element of suspense was up there. So therefore, that's why I classify it as a horror. Do you or do you not? What do you think? I actually think, so when this came out, this was part of that era post-Clueless where we had cruel intentions, we had wild things. There were these kind of... So good. (laughs) So like, it's junk food and I love it. I'm here for it. it. And we all, I mean, 20 something years later, these movies are that generation's classics. Mm -hmm. Right? So... um, I think, here's the strange part. I remember when it came out, it wasn't considered a comedy, which is kind of interesting. Oh. I don't think it was a comedy at all. Huh. Um, and it was definitely not a romantic movie. It had it was supposed to be this dark thing. Uh-huh. Ooh. You know, these women. Who <laughs> I get like that for murder. a fact. Ooh. But I actually think it is very much a horror movie through and through. I'm going to argue for this in our podcast tonight. Okay. Um, I, think I think it's a horror movie. I think it's referencing horror movies. Yes, left and right. And I feel like that is a key component of horror movies. I told him, I said, they are all about Carrie and all in this movie. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. number one reference is not actually Clueless, it's Carrie. But then his argument... This is a Carrie movie. This is Carrie. But then his argument was just like, well, just because you reference a movie, I'm like, nope, nope. The, I feel like, uh, and you and I were talking about this for Scream, I feel like, before we started recording this, that... It's it's like a a horror movie respect a thing of passage. Right, Say this yes, elegantly. I, I've I've had like some fucking rosé. You're drinking Skyfall, but I think that you can get this terminology right. I think this is <laughs> so right of passage. What was that term? More of a of, of a child of Scream uh-huh. because a lot of people could consider Scream a horror movie through and through, but also a comedy. Mm -hmm. There's an element of parody, element of Mm self-reflection, element of Mm self-awareness. So I think Jawbreaker, as much as it is, yes, Clueless and Cruel Intentions and all those movies, it is also part of the Scream tradition. Mm. So it is a remake or a reworking of Carrie. Mm -hmm. I really think, I mean, Judy Greer is Carrie in this movie. yeah. But with a twist. <laughs> because the ending of the movie, which we'll get to, yeah. the prom event does not happen to Carrie. It happens to... Her nemesis. Essentially, the nemesis, mm-hmm. which would be Nancy Allen's character in Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what her name was, which I know this as a Stephen King fan. But it was played by Nancy Allen. Right. Um, so, and there's a lot of... It's it's taking the Carrie plotline and reversing it and giving it a 90s twist, mm-hmm. giving it a, a revenge twist and so forth. And I think in a way, having Pam Greer in the movie is signaling that idea of revisiting an older movie and giving it a new twist. The also, way that Jackie Brown was revisiting um, Foxy Brown. Can we just say that both Greers, Judy and Pam, look the same? Like yeah. they, I mean, I mean, they don't look like each other, but, but they, they look, the, look same the same. Like older. they could have shot this yesterday. Like, oh my God, what did they even do? And uh, also, also, wait, sorry. Oh, wait, no, go wait, for it. No. Go for it. I was going to say also, Judy Greer is now a horror scream queen because she plays Laurie Stroh's daughter in the new Halloween Yeah, movie. she's in Halloween and she was also in the remake of Carrie, which like that whole reference. And she plays the mom, right? Or she, does she play the No, counsel? she's a teacher. She's like a, the she's teacher, somebody in the, the school. Okay. Yeah. This so, is the one where, um, what's awesome actress, Patricia Clarkson plays the mom, <gasps> right? There's a couple of Carrie's. So is she in the Julianne Moore carry or is she in the Patricia Clarkson carry? I thought she was in the Julianne Moore carry. Okay, maybe you're right. I could. And be. she plays the the teacher, the the gym teacher. Yeah, right. yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Otherwise, we just totally recast this. This is our reboot. <laughs> this is our 2020s revision. Maybe. So I don't know. We're just maybe like just put Judy Greer in everything. She's amazing. Just 
any version of and Carrie. And a lot of people think Judy Greer is in comedies, but she's really oh, a horror scream queen drama person. Oh, she has That's like a I dark see. side that she plays beautifully. Like, guys, everybody, if you haven't already seen it, please watch um, Kidding on Showtime. I think it's streaming on Amazon by now, but just oh, watch it. And it's directed by, um, who, who's the director, G? Say his name. What's his name? It's the director of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and the Science of Sleep. Mm-hmm. He's so good. And he, effort, I'm blanking on his Well, name. you gave his resume. <laughs> That's all people should know anyway. It's just like a, it's a he very- He works with Charlie Kaufman. Oh, he's, he's just also. brilliant. He's a brilliant man. Uh, so we'll anyway- get to us in a second. <laughs> We might have had It's a French someone. name. It's a French name. Yeah. You know um, who is. <laughs> Moving on. Moving, Moving on. on. Moving on. So, um, Jawbreaker. This was really interesting to watch with 2020 eyes because I haven't seen this since 99. I was graduating from high school and around this time and scream i remember oh my god whenever i was supposed to see scream um i was thinking oh my god this is gonna be a horror movie this is gonna be really scary and i was not even prepared for the wittiness and self-awareness that that brought and i can't remember what i was expecting when i saw jawbreaker but like you i didn't think that this was going to be a comedy and i didn't think it was going to be a horror I was just like, this is going to be an art film. This is going to be an experience. And and I really like it. And it really holds up. It holds up over the test of time. And I want to say, um, once again, like I was arguing with Jack of, of saying like, this is a, it's a dark comedy, but there's horror elements because I was in deep suspense of somebody was going to get killed. Somebody was going to rat each other out. Teenage girls are terrifying. Yada, yada, yada. But I gotta say, uh, you can't watch this movie without seeing Rose McGowan mm -hmm. and who she is mm -hmm. today. And a lot of people exactly. have polarizing views on her. Some people think that she just is like a wackadoodle. Some people think she's a wonderful feminist. People have very strong theories on Rose. I'm going to say it's really important. I mean, the, the founder of the Me Too movement is an activist named Tarana Burke. It's very important just to know that. And Toronto Burke from 2006 was using the term Me Too and making awareness, but it wasn't until Alyssa Milano tweeted about this and referenced her that Me Too had worldwide recognition. And I will say that Rose McGowan, whoever thinks what of her and everything, I mean, she is a very interesting figure. She was essential in taking down Wein uh, Harvey Weinstein. Essential in taking down Harvey Weinstein. So <sighs> there, she has like such a wild history and, and she's a fantastic actress and she's gorgeous. And there are just- and icon. Yeah, she's, she's just an interesting person and people have very, very um, drastic opinions about her, but there would be no Harvey Weinstein and fucking jail without Rose McGowan. And for that, I salute her. So I have to say, I don't know what the, uh, it's true. Maybe people's perceptions of Rose is different from us who grew up with her, mm -hmm. especially watching her. First time I saw her was playing Tatum, Nev Campbell's best friend in Scream, mm -hmm. who dies in the garage door trap situation mm -hmm. oh yeah um, and then i think this movie is kind of a result of the fame that came up from her having been in that movie mm -hmm. um then she was kind of robert rodriguez's muse and was in planet terror and they were dating mm -hmm. after robert rodriguez got divorced mm -hmm. then she so rose has been with us for over 25 years mm -hmm. And she's um, so when she became part of the Me Too movement and kind of outed her situation with Harvey Weinstein. I mean, which was a um, bold move. Like she signed NDAs upon NDAs, and then finally she's like, "No, fuck this noise." And I, I read the book. She said, with the the journalist that took him down, that that broke that story and the painstaking measures that these two female journalists. Like I know. 
I mean, the, the book is really powerful, and, it, and it, they credit her. They they reference Gwyneth Paltrow, but they really do refer to her. Of just, she had the balls. She was willing to take meetings, and she was erratic in her behavior because she's also a victim of trauma. You know, I yeah. I so think- so speaking of that, I mean, we have to discuss her performance in this movie. Um, she's just so lens, good. She was probably going through these traumatic experiences At the time. around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the reason she's involved with Harvey Weinstein is because he pretty much produced a lot of the movies that she was in, including mm-hmm. Scream mm-hmm. Um, and, and Phantoms. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Ben Affleck, right? Ben Affleck is in Phantoms, I think. Ben Affleck doesn't um, have clean hands. That's all I'm going to say. Interestingly enough, and I think and I really paid attention to this, mm-hmm. Weinstein did not produce this movie. This mm. movie has nothing to do with Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. which I was like, because I know that a lot of her films were Harvey Weinstein movies, mm-hmm. including the movies that she did with Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Weinstein produced Grindhouse, which mm-hmm. is where Planet Terror was, is, where she played that awesome... Oh my gosh, she was so badass. Oh, she was gorgeous. John Leck situation. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was interesting that this is a movie that she did not do under the, whatever you want to call it, of Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Because, and so I thought her acting was extremely bizarre in context of 2020. Hmm. Um, she okay. this entire speech about rape that was so horrific and chilling. From what we know now, I, yes, it's, it's all scene? I could think about. And here's the thing: I, just knowing that the director is a gay man, I feel like she felt safe, and I felt like her performance. And I'm totally speaking for her. I read so many weird, different things on IMDb and Wikipedia of how she was kind of really bossy on set, and she thought that she could have played every character. <laughs> Like she wanted the, the movie cast oh, as like her as Julie and then hers as, as Judy Greer and just, you know, like multiple parent traps with Haley Mills and Lindsay Lohan. I mean, Holy she just shit. she just wanted it to be her like this one stop shop of Rose um, and that she was like really competitive on set and all this other thing. Um, but I think for her, I really feel like her performance comes out of a victim's position of power mm-hmm. like she and and they say this mm-hmm. early in the movie after they accidentally murder their friend for the birthday thing and she rose is making the call in the convertible and hancock park and it's rebecca or julie benz they they look at her and they say that's amazing or that's chilling she's like what she's like how you have so much control and I really feel like, I mean, this could totally be me projecting this upon her, but I felt like this gay male director was giving Rose this powerful role of sexuality and control. I was just like, you're going to fuck everybody. You're going to murder people. You're running the school. And I think maybe that kind of bled into the offset antics of just like, well, mm-hmm. it gave her that confidence back. I don't know. I mean, it's really hard to speak to her her experience, but that's what I took from it. Well, here's an interesting reading of this movie Oh, that I gave through me. the 2020 lens. Okay. I actually thought, and I wrote a couple of notes about this, that, okay, this is essentially a Carrie reimagining a 1990s with, with Heather's divided by you know clueless. Yes, but more than anything, it's Carrie because it ends up with the prom sequence, right? With the prank, right? Right, with the right. revenge prank and the. So here's the thing: the movie ends with um, Judy Greer and. Um, um, Rebecca Gayhart bringing down Rose McGowan at the prom. She's the prom queen. Mm-hmm. She's the Carrie character. And when you re- go back and reread the movie that way, I actually had this very radical reading of this movie. And maybe it's because of what we know now of Rose McGowan. Mm-hmm. She is the victim of this movie right. as opposed to the villain mm-hmm. um, because and I, I don't know why I went into this the way she performs this role 
She's so good. She's, I mean, she's, she's she's sexual, she's classy, she's ballsy, and you you want to have a definitive opinion about her immediately. This girl steps on the screen and you you form an opinion. Whereas instead it takes you like 10 minutes to make up your mind about this character. Exactly. But oh, but okay. Whereas we could read this and even though this movie came out after she's not Regina George. Right. Yeah. She is not Regina George. I I and this was interesting. A lot of people think, oh, okay, this is that prototype. It's uh-huh. Regina George. Oh no. She's not a classic um, mean girl. Like she's so, she's trying to order some control and keep her status and she knows who she is and she wants to be the big dog all the time. Are you pouring yourself some more skyfall? Yes. Okay. So skyfall is coming. But also she's kind of in between share. Because if you think about it, Cher, who's the protagonist of Clueless, mm-hmm. is the precursor to Regina George. So Cher, so that character, the Regina George character, made famous by Rachel McAdams in Mean Girls, mm-hmm. goes from being the protagonist um, that you follow in Clueless to being the antagonist mm-hmm. in Mean Girls ten, mm-hmm. almost 10 years later. And in between is Rose McGowan mm-hmm. in this movie. Where she's the villain and the victim right. of the movie. So I thought that was a fascinating, confusing, mm-hmm. compelling aspect of this movie. The fact that we're like, okay, Judy Greer is the victim, and then these are the mean girls, but that's not what plays out. So I had a very big question at the end of this movie. Why, how come Rose gets blamed for everything? True, because there are some complicit bitches that rolled right along with it. <laughs> they all the prank at the beginning of the movie that causes the death of the main. Of well, the because girl who it's, dies. it's about a status of power, it's about being top dog, about being the best, about you know, like she wanted to be the yeah, prom queen, and people thought felt it wasn't right. Exactly. But, so she was. She was. But when it comes to the crime itself, they blame her because she's the one who put the jawbreaker on her. The right, because she's the, the one. The movie, right, she's the one who shoved the jawbreaker in her mouth. Without her being so aggressive, no crime would have been committed. But exactly, they were like, "Well, you put the jawbreaker," but I'm like, they were all doing the fucking thing. And when you go back, I mean, because it's, it's an movie, accidental realize- murder, and I think I think a lot of the the crux of the movie is is she just so ambitious for power and status that she did this purposefully? Like, that's what I read watching it this time around. And the other girls were like, we're just mm. like kidnapping you and doing this. And and there was a comment later, I think it was Julie Benz or somebody that was just like, oh my God, you put a jawbreaker in her face? Like, what? That, that sounds maniacal. What? But, but, but maybe I'm insane, but I didn't read her performance as being... The villain that's that's the way they see her meaning her friends meaning julie benz and mm-hmm. um rebecca gayhart mm-hmm. they see her it's like well it was your fault you put the jawbreaker oh you're being ambitious you're crazy you're the mm-hmm. queen mm-hmm. all this stuff right and then like julie benz is like well you're the queen you're the villain you killed her but i'm gonna follow you it's like they both go in different directions right but they're both seeing her as the same figure for different reasons, right? But I didn't see it that way. I saw it as we're all in this together and I'm being blamed for everything. And she's just trying to make, she's trying to survive. Yes, I saw this as survivalist Um, for sure. I saw that she's trying to cover up her tracks. I saw it as I'm spinning. I won't respond to that. It's my Siri. You just activated my <laughs> Siri. I'm going to turn her off. <laughs> Siri is jaw-breaking our conversation. Siri, I don't want to fucking hear your lip. That is hilarious. <laughs> is this like Dorit's moment of, what's that sound? It's it's the the cordless phone telling me battery is low. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Which I, I'm going to relate that in a second to how Jawbreaker is like these bitches of Beverly Hills. And here's the thing. I feel, I feel like Jawbreaker is a feminist film. I really do. And in wake of the Me Too movement, who Rose is extremely integral, didn't start it, mm-hmm. but she is a very 
prominent activist in it. Like it was, I, I can't believe all that she endured, you know, um, to really speak her truth and all the NDAs and the court harassments. And oh my God, I, can't, I couldn't even imagine. I felt, I, I would really love to sit down with this director because I feel like he gave her power. I feel like he's saying, this is a fun character. You're sexualized. You're in control. You have your own style. Like you just do you girl. And I think she just ran with it. I think this is one of her strongest performances. I mean, she's phenomenal in doom generation, but she's just so mm -hmm. strong because I do feel like she's a girl that is reactive and adapting to the situation and doing what she needs to fucking do to survive. And that's all I saw in jawbreaker. In my opinion, I mean, she had these really quotable lines. She's hilarious. of just like, you know, I killed the teen dream and, all these fun things uh, she's just so delicious but, in this. but you're seeing what i'm seeing i think mm -hmm. she's not the villain of this movie. no she's not she's not and she is most definitely she's a victim who decided to become empowered That's, right uh, the way I and we all judge her for it and it's just like we shouldn't judge this bitch for that i mean she's doing the best she can same like jody greer i didn't hate judy greer for trying to be beautiful and popular i'm like she's she is a survivalist too they're just these girls are doing the best they can she yep. gets judged for that when and she feels shame up, right yeah shame when they realize that Villette is Fern Mayo, like she gets shamed. And then that's such a culture in, in the female world, you know? So this is actually a very complicated, complex movie about not only gender issues in terms of societal status in mm -hmm. high school, but also how women relate to each other. So it's commenting on two different things. So to me, I think Rose McGowan is the, the the protagonist of this movie and also the Carrie character, but in a different way because I agree. she chooses to stand up for herself. I agree. And everything she does in the movie is not, she never intended to kill her friend. It's it was an like, accidental okay. murder, but then she was just was like, all right, I, I'm going to go with it. I'm, I'm she didn't kill anybody it. else. I, ref <laughs> I refuse. She refuses to be weak. Yeah. Right. So then, She's like, no, we're going to do this. We're going to take care of this. We're gonna, this is a plan. She's like a very proactive person. But then she's fucking burned at the stake for standing up for herself throughout mm -hmm. the movie. That's how I read it. I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting 2020 Rose McGowan onto this. No. And that, and the speech about the rape, which was very impactful in this reading. Mm -hmm. um, but I felt... I kept thinking, why is she being blamed for everything? She's being blamed because she's standing up for herself. And a woman mm -hmm. who stands up for herself needs to be brought down in this society. Word. That's the only crime she does in this movie. <laughs> Preach. She refuses to, to be weak and to bow down mm -hmm. to the situation that she's put in, into. So those are my two cents about her incredible performance. I agree with you. I think she was already advocating in this performance and she's giving Think us the atrocities that have happened to her today. yeah yeah and what had happened to her yeah but also kind of bringing up an empowering message about women who are strong and set up for themselves and so i don't know like more than likely you're going to be taken down if, if you cause a ruckus i mean it's still true to this day and now we're a little bit more unified um, because it's funny when this movie came out it was in the era of Sex and the City had just come out mm -hmm. and we're, we're just starting to get to know female friendships as opposed to women being pitted against each other's in cinema and and I think with this revisiting this and you know and the craft and and mm -hmm. scream and all those fun things there's always this element of competition and yes teenage girls like oh my god it's, it's a class of their own they're horrifying I was one of them I mean it's just <laughs> it's a terror in itself and the fear of fitting in and being accepted I mean it's the same thing but um, it's just so fucking scary and, and then the societal pressure and danger and older men like whistling at you like the sexual danger about it all and where you fit in society if people want you to smile when you're walking down the road or you're a waitress and people expect you to flirt like there were so many nuances that I learned as a teenage girl that fit in that high school experience for me like everything mm -hmm. is so terrifying and that's why I really 
classify any kind of female clicky um, teenage movie as a horror because you are just like it's you against the world and I and I know that men have their own you know struggles too I'm just saying from my perspective like that's why I just feel like this is a little terrifying and especially with what Rose went through she she was trying to have a career um live her life <laughs> she was in the public eye and she was just being terrorized she was a strong woman and she felt like she had to be silenced for the longest time and even when she came out people came at her at all sides and they still do and um i just feel like this was a just really... like this character yeah right yes 100 percent. we look at this character and we think she's a black widow sword that's the judgment we immediately throw upon her and it's not true it's not true. Something really bad happened. It was an accident, and she was covering her tracks. Does it make it okay? No, but I can certainly side with it. I can certainly be like, oh, girl, you're doing the best you can. But everything that she did in the movie is done for her own protection mm-hmm. and the protection of her friends. Mm. Because she knows that if they were to she come didn't out rat with anybody the truth, out. they would be judged in a horrible way. Mm-hmm. And so, which brings me to a couple of points here another reason this is a horror movie is because it has pj souls in it yes in fucking halloween yes and i thought that was amazing it was a small cameo right she she appeared in a couple of scenes she was the mother of the girl who died and i was like oh that's fucking awesome i also got to point out the many references to greece in this movie too it's like you have Jeff Conway, he's the dad in it, who was Kanicki, who died of a horrible mm-hmm. addiction. And and the guy, the little sensitive 90s type, the Skeet Ulrich, I wrote in my notes, Skeet Ulrich wannabe. something to say about this I guy. can't wait. I can't wait. Wait, wait, I want to say this. Like, I feel like Skeet Ulrich, uh, wannabe, <laughs> prototype, um, sensitive theater guy. So I feel like I know what you're going to say, Mr. Communist. Um there were no, times I have a big revelation about this guy. Okay. You're, okay. You're, 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 you're onto it. I'm onto it. Well, like at the end, he is John Travolta backstage from Carrie. He plays John Travolta. Oh. <gasps> Gasp. Because he sets it up backstage. He is Wait, John Travolta. You're totally right. He plays because they do a whole reversal of what plays out of the end of mm-hmm. Carrie. Well, I'm going to blow your mind even more. Tell me. This guy. Um, first of all, he has he never acted again after this. <gasps> he did one more movie. Oh. He only acted in the night. I think he just went on to do something else. Okay. But here's who he's known for. Who does he look like? Uh, Skeet Ulrich. He fucking looks like no. Skeet Ulrich to me. No. He played young Ethan Hawke in Gattaca. <gasps> he looks exactly like oh, Ethan Hawke. Watch it again. Oh, I can he's see that. Doing I can that totally see that. Reality bites, sensitive. 90s, yep. Thing. Mm-hmm. Like, tell so, me your life story in a coffee house and I'll sing you a song on my guitar. Exactly. Yes, so, I can see that. But it's interesting that you've connected him to the John Travolta because he does play, you know, he played the role in Greece and they made this. Oh, this is just smart screenplay. It's really um, fun. Because, like, at first, whenever we were like, let's rewatch this, I thought that it would be very just silly. Like, one the, note. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, okay, what's this? It's a fun romp. Why not? But no, like, it, there's like some deep undertones to it. So they're connecting the figure of Ethan Hawke from Reality Bites with John Walter from the 70s and Carrie. Oh! <gasps> So you're pointing out Ethan Hawke, boy, sensitive male actor. He disappeared. He retired from acting after this movie. Yes. So I, I don't know what he's doing, but I just, I looked him up and I was like, he reminds me of Ethan Hawke. And of course he played young Ethan Hawke hmm. in that, in Gattaca. Um, it's so, so interesting because this is a very female centric movie. You're just like all these powerhouses. Really yeah, the, the men are that much. Yeah, and then they had that. Um, what's his name? The 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 um, the, guy, the famous scene with the lollipop thing, or the is that a lollipop? No, not a lollipop. The what do you call that? The icicle, the popsicle, the popsicle, the popsicle. Oh my god! That scene is incredible because it's her taking the power and saying, "You're gonna fucking suck on my dick." 
right yeah it's amazing i was just like i kept thinking like this is weinstein this is like taking your power back girl and you're gonna make him suck on this and he was so just like what the fuck am i doing what and part of me now that you've told me he's retired from acting did that scene traumatize him or did he just find that insanely hot i don't know it's very yeah, different so with gender switcheroos. I'm gender not sure. Reversal, it's very fluid, mm-hmm. right? And I, it's just fascinating. I remember that scene was what they used for the marketing, and it's also the scene that <gasps> that's pretty remembers. risque. And it's a very, very ahead of its time scene. Yeah. Wow. It's, and also another thing that we need to talk about since we're talking about. Rose McGowan's sexual powers mm-hmm. is the fact that in order to cover the crime and create another suspect, she goes to a bar and picks up none other than Marilyn Manson. Oh, yes. Oh, who yes. Was, who was her boyfriend at the time mm-hmm. in real life. This is Rose McGowan's boyfriend, for I think, for a long time. Yeah, they were engaged. So they were the item they were back in the day. And, everything. and so I found it interesting watching the movie, even though she goes and picks up. He's like this leasy guy in a bar that she comes and brings him to the bed of the victim to make it look like a rape. And then he gets kind of, I guess, arrested for it. There's something about the fact that he, that you know that Marilyn Manson was her boyfriend. You feel comforted. I mean, and once again, I don't know. Right? I don't know <laughs> if I would feel that way in 99, but right now I do. And watching this the other night, I'm just like, okay, she's in a safe place. This is her sex partner. Like, they're they're good. I felt okay man, with this. <gasps> and she's like, yeah. oh, help me cover this crime. So it really... Which is he, know, is he on the soundtrack, by the way, or no? Do you know? Because this soundtrack is fucking killer. It is so 90s tastic. It is so good. The Donnas are playing at the prom. Yes. Oh my she, god. And and there's I think I think maybe oh the cars are playing at one point. So there's some 80s magic in there. It is such a good soundtrack, but I can't remember if he's on there or not. If he's on, I don't know. I don't I actually did not pay attention. It's something worth looking into. Oh my god, the music is so but good. I that. think you know he likes the appearing Marilyn Manson appeared in this and appeared in Lost Highway and so I just thought it was it really changes your perception of what she does Mm -hmm. whereas maybe in those times you're just like oh she's she's a queen bee she's like the mean girl and it's like no guy at the bar and Port sperm all over the bed so it could be looked like a raven but now i'm saying oh no she's you know she's bringing her boy to help her it's weird how that changes that entire yeah. fucking thing yeah so i was like oh it's Marilyn Manson, her boyfriend which i i want to throw out here because <laughs> we're just we're having some martinis and wine and we're getting into this episode on that same vein I, I'm on Rose McGowan's side. I am not on Kyle Richard's side. And <laughs> <laughs> and there were No we're not. I am not. And there were so many scenes when, you know, Rose is there with her beautiful black hair and she's just bossing everybody around. I'm like, you are fucking Kyle Richards. <laughs> I was so angry. Uh, I strongly dislike uh, Kyle so and Kyle much. Just, it's a scream queen. She's a scream queen. It's, Halloween. It all relates. Upcoming, it all relates. The upcoming Halloween kills, which she's going to reprise her I, childhood role. I put money on it right now. Woman. She gets killed off. She immediately. I think she shot for three days. I mean, come on. So I, I'm titling this episode that might go to the wine cellar. <laughs> listeners we have a a vault called the wine cellar when we just get too messed up and we're like this is not fit for consumption only fans that can really get us or get these movies and try to follow with our tangents um you guys get to listen to this i mean i hope you enjoy it (sighs) we feel passionate i feel like we ramble it doesn't make a lot of sense however i'm going to say rose mccallum was kyle kyle richards and julie benz is dorit and oh. right just kind of like going along with everything and then rebecca gayhart is going to be the teddy truth teller maybe i don't know and then who's who's, who's judy hmm. like the judy's any new housewife that tries to join their fucking crew and gets turned into the wolf i mean 
there was that was it that scene last night yeah the the girl was in the the pool and she comes out of the water and her hair is like all slicked back i'm like this is denise richards like her nipples are ablaze it was like some weird party cut to i don't know if it was an extra oh no no it was the flashback of the friend that they killed they were having like a death dream about her and she just comes out of the water denise richards wild thing style and i gotta say for this reunion I love you called it. You're like, this is a 90s thriller. This is so exciting and so fun. (laughs) And I just I am, you know, Denise is lying through her fucking teeth. She's so lying. At the same time, I am here for it. Her looks, she just stares daggers into these women. And she's pouting. She just doesn't give a shit. I'm here. I'm here for it. I love it. I could drink it up. She's Sharon Stone and basic instinct. Uh, Yeah, but I thought that she could be like a jawbreaker girl. (laughs) I could jawbreaking all of them. (laughs) Gagging them with jawbreakers. (laughs) It's amazing. So Yeah, no, I remember that scene where she I thought also of Denise and um, the wild things. I think it's like a a moment where um, Rebecca Gayhart is having like a, f- a grief moment, can we call it that, hmm. with her friend who died. And she sees her. It's like a flashback slash trauma present moment. And the mother comes and comforts her. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting, but it's a very sexual image. Well. So is Rebecca Gayhart a secret lesbian? No, Judy know. Greer is the secret lesbian in this. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Judy yes, Greer is for sure, Hart, yes. which I didn't get the first time around. I just thought that she was like this unpopular geeky girl that wanted to be like the others. And for this, like the way she describes her, it is exactly almost beat for beat Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls when she's talking about Aaron Samuels. She's yes. just like, the way he did this, and he asked what day it is, and it's October. Like she almost beat for beat. This girl's just like, her moles on the back of her neck, and this and her shampoo, it smelled like apples. She was in love with this girl. And that's why I go to the Kyle Richards element. I feel like Kyle Richards was the kind of girl that in an 80s Beverly Hills high school would out other girls for like being lezzy or something like that. Hence the Denise and Brandy situation. It doesn't matter that Denise cheated on her husband. I think that Kyle and Teddy are homophobic. That's what I think. And I just decided in my mind that Judy Greer is Brandy Glanville. Yes, for sure. And also Angeline. Do you remember the Angeline yes. reference? She shows up in her pink car. She shows up in her car and she's sitting on the rooftop. If this episode makes it to air, I'm going to show my Angeline costume. I have a fucking killer mm. Halloween Angeline she costume. Does. It's so she good. Does. It's so good. It's the best. <laughs> and there's also a picture of Angeline and then Jack was dressed as oh, Edward Scissorhands. Oh, he was Edward Scissorhands. And, and they were, were like... talking to Donald fucking Trump at the Gold Coast. <laughs> oh my God, oh we my were... God. Oh my God! What were we even talking about? I, I was. Is that the yeah? And I, I was um, Kathy Bates. You were Kathy American Bates in American Apocalypse. Horror Story, and you looked amazing. And then Bloss was. He was a, a vampire. No? Was oh no, no, he was no, the Antichrist. We were yeah. both American Horror Story from Apocalypse. So who was Mike? So it was like he was Antichrist, Cody Fern. No, Bloss was, but who was Mike? Oh, who was Bloss? Was Mike? the Antichrist? He had his platinum wig. Who was Mike? Fuck, I can't remember. He was somebody. He was definitely somebody. I just decided so this we episode's the, for us. <laughs> it was all we were all the Gold Coast. It was like Donald Trump, Angeline, Edward Scissorhands. Oh, and then Kathy we met Bates. we met this one guy who was <laughs> the, the Fred and this guy was the Fred Siegel Wall. And he was just like this this platform of shrubbery. And he came up to Jack and he was just like, Will you trend me? <laughs> Oh my God! I love amazing, the Gold Coast. Amazing. It's so seedy. <laughs> I hope it makes it out of coronavirus. Anyways, so going back to Jawbreaker, um, so many elements happen in this movie. We have, you know, the makeover scene. So Judy Greer overhears these bitches saying, "Your know, Rose McGowan being like, oh, I killed her. I killed the Teen Dream,' and blah blah blah." And as a deal. She silences her, which is what fucking Harvey Weinstein did. That's all I can see in this. Um, And so they make her popular. And there's like this Frankenstein sequence 
where they make her beautiful and platinum and there's like these really fun slash visual effects. vertigo yes vertigo and yes. slash rocky horror a little bit yes just gonna slash say ho- rocky horror yeah i think these all combinations are great and she shows up to school that. and everybody's just like we're in love with her it's so great um yeah i feel like the movie is pretty like it's just like a romp until the prom scene or until you know rebecca gayhart struggling with her moral conscience rose mm-hmm. mcgowan's performance just like carries it through regardless um yeah and we explore clicks in high school we explore the intimidation techniques the sensitive theater guy and they're doing grease in high school and there's also like cars to be worked on the grease metaphor all that um, and it's just so when we get to the end where we reveal, you know, Rose is just trying to cover up everything. And Pam Greer, like, I don't want to gloss over Pam Greer because she's just so badass. But I also feel like she's a little lost in this movie. I feel like they, that she, like, they, they gave all this power to Rose and Pam Greer. Like, it, I feel like at the time they couldn't give two strong badass females center stage. I feel like Pam Greer was so good. And then I hate at the end, this bullshit story that Rose gives to her. I'm just like, oh, well, this girl had this secret past and she fucked this guy in the bedroom. So that's probably how she died. And then Pam Greer, who was just not believing these bitches for one second, all of a sudden, it's just like, you know, yeah, I'm going to close up shop. Like, I feel like they kind of wrote her off a little bit. Yeah, I think like she was a little bit of a prop. Yeah. Movie. She was, of course at this point in time very famous because she has starred in Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown mm-hmm. and had come back um, which came out in 97 two years before this mm-hmm. so she's underutilized in this movie for right. sure and she has that I mean her name is Vera Cruz like Penelope Vera Cruz and like this city in Mexico will you check into as, hotels from here on out as Vera Cruz yes it'll be like Vera Cruz <laughs> It's also the name of, this is a kind of strange, weird connection, but in Pedro Almodovar's The Skin I Live In, mm-hmm. that's the name that the trans character gets, you know. Oh, over. I didn't realize that. So, <gasps> if you haven't seen this movie, am I spoiling it? Fuck it, I'm spoiling it. Watch it. Oh my God, it's, it's my favorite. Like, he does, he has such a catalog, but by far, that is my personal favorite. I saw that one with so, you too, right? I saw it with yes, you on Glass, I think. we saw it at the Arclight for the yeah. first time. Oh, I love so it. So the character that's transgendered, if you watch the movie, you'll know what I mean. I'm not mm-hmm. going to give away the plot. Mm-hmm. Her name as a woman is Vera Cruz. Hmm. And I, that, this, watching this movie brought that back. And I was like, Wow, so I did not even connect that. That's really fucking cool. Wow. Plus also, it's a strange name to give, an, you know, a black cop mm-hmm. it's a latin american name so the whole thing is very odd mm-hmm. but it was also part of the charming weirdness of this movie things that don't and are incongruous uh-huh. in many ways and i think it points to the idea that we think rose mcgowan is a villain but she's not we think judy greer is the victim but she's not Nothing is what the tropes are supposed to be. A hundred percent. And I also want to add on to that, the way that these women are stylized. It's like that David Lynch aspect of like, I'm going to shoot something. In this case, it was a 99, but these women are dressed very 50s and Puritan. Even like Rose, she's like the bad Mm -hmm. girl. She's very um, Black Dahlia. And I, I read something like, oh, I can't remember which movie she referenced her performance on. It was like a 40s situation, but she was like very noir. But all of these girls, Rebecca Gayhart to me is like Laura Palmer and, you know, kind of throwing it back to Grace Kelly and like the good girl. You know, just like very, mm-hmm. the, the tips are flipped up, the big eyes and the moral dilemma and, and things are supposed to be seen as black and white, but no, these women are very complicated as women often are. And I do like the play of naming women flowers of like, you're supposed to name them something that's so pretty and to be gazed upon. And it's like, no, they can fucking kill you. It can be poison ivy. But, <laughs> but then when you spell it, it's violet, V-Y-L-L-E. Right. Right. It's Don't fuck with her. Don't fuck she, with her. She's violent. She's <laughs> venomous. Right. She mm-hmm. turns on you. Mm-hmm. So 
again, it's just fascinating how this movie is supposed to be this kind of archetypal black and white playing with stereotypes film about, you know, women in high school. But it turns out to be that all those things that it's supposed to be representing, they're all kind of destroyed by the end of the movie. Right. So it's it's not like those other films that are satirical uh, parodies of archetypes and stereotypes. It's just something else goes on in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it goes on because it's really a horror movie. Mm -hmm. This is where the character is a horror movie. Hear that, Jack? Yep. (laughs) It's a horror movie because it is not following the stereotypical performances that you get in a movie like this. So, I noticed that this time around. I I, ne- I didn't notice that when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're watching yet another Heather's clueless thing. But the interesting part comes from the movie, from the horror references. Well, yeah, well, it's the, the references. And also, I mean, I was held in suspense the first time and the time that I saw it, like, last night i really forgot if more than one person died i kind of went to heather's land of oh maybe she gets mad with power and ambition and maybe she kills all these other bitches and it is a it's a trauma movie in my opinion Mm -hmm. um very female centric it's so cheeky i think the dialogue is epic it's so quotable it's so great this is a hollywood forever cemetery movie through and through yes you know once covid's over <laughs> i mean it's, it's just we so great it's so great um yeah that's all i got for the breaking of jaws unless you want to go into more housewife shit because i feel like denise richards we need to watch a denise richards movie <laughs> Yes, I was thinking. I mean, do do we just given, do wild things? Do we see what happens? I don't know. I feel like that would turn into a pure housewife to. episode, wanna, like this one. Can we just agree to watch? I want to watch wild things because I yeah. also speaking of, since today it was announced that Scream Queen Extraordinaire Neff Campbell is returning for Scream Five. Mm-hmm. I always think that people forget we love Nev and her. Sydney Prescott role, but people forget that she played these, um, you know, more complex, not what we think of her characters, such as in The Craft well, and Wild Things. She's like a sexy. Characters. She's a very sexy woman too. I mean, like in The Craft, I feel like she was very vulnerable, and she has like a very um, unique style of acting. How you and I refer to Jennifer Love Hewitt as bouncy, bouncy. I feel like Nev Campbell is just like the. <laughs> Like, shake my bangs off. What? What are you talking about? Like, she just shrugs everything off all the time. But I'm here for it. I love it. But um, in House of Cards, she showed up. I'm like, girl, did you not age a fucking day? You look fantastic. She looks looks so good. She looks exactly the same. And she's a deep actress. I I was really blown away with her performance in House of Cards. So, yeah, scream. Bring it on. I'm, I'm ready for her again. I'm really curious. I think this 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 Scream Five directed by Radio Silence, the directors of Ready or Not. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see what they're going to bring today. I know she held off for a long time. She wanted to see what the script was all about, and it's going to be cool. Mm. But yeah, I say let's do wild things. All right. Because it shows Nev Campbell's darker side, and of course are awesome I mean, housewives ex-housewife of Beverly Hills as of yesterday <laughs> Denise fucking Richards oh my god Denise fucking Richards <laughs> and with that um, I'm gonna say we killed the teen dream I don't know if this is gonna make air but we appreciate you listening <laughs> we do we do All right, bye out outie out. <laughs>